0: You are listening to the Feedback Link Podcast, episode number 63. Today, we have Alicia from Florida. And the exciting thing about Alicia is she knows one of our good friends that we met when we first started this podcast, Cassandra Bell, one of our very favorite people, I think. And she was one of our first 10 episodes on the podcast. Alicia is actually one of the local ICANN chapter leaders in Florida that Cassandra um, worked with while she was preparing for her VBAC. So we are so excited for you to meet her. But before we do that, Megan has our review of the week.
1: Yes, I do. And today's review is from Cassie 80 on Apple Podcasts. And she says, after a traumatic C-section in 2016, and on my own research journey to VBAC, I came across this podcast and instantly fell in love. I am currently trying for number two, and I am on a mission to VBAC. And hearing all of these wonderful stories of strength has given me the confidence that I can do it when the time comes. You and all of the women who courageously share their stories are just amazing. You all provide healing and support for all of us mamas. And seriously, Cassie, we couldn't agree more. These stories are so inspiring and so powerful. And really, they are touching women from all over the world. Really, all over the world
0: all over the world yes it's really exciting we love it and we have loved every single um, woman that has been on our podcast and we're excited to introduce you to alicia in just a quick second
2: you are tuned in to the VBAC link podcast with julie francom and megan heaton VBAC moms doulas and educators here to help you get inspired for birth after having a c-section Together, they have created a robust VBAC preparation course along with this uplifting podcast for women who are preparing for their VBAC. Although these episodes are VBAC specific, they encourage all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a cesarean from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan. All
0: right, we are going to get right to it. I cannot wait for everyone to hear Alicia's wonderful B- back journey and how it led her to ICANN. Alicia, are you ready to share Hi. your story? I'm ready. Thank you so much.
2: Yay!
3: <laughs> so I I had a fairly, I guess, normal pregnancy, my first pregnancy, um, except for I had HD which made it hard Um, but I it did end up going away around 20 22 weeks which I was very grateful for but I was going to the chiropractor every week Um, my husband and I own a restaurant so I was pretty active up until a few weeks before I had the baby like on my feet so I felt good about I hoped it was helping positioning and just just moving around a lot my um, midwife kept saying the baby was head down when the baby was supposed to be, and I felt good going into it. I had decided to early on to not be with an OB. I was with a midwife at a freestanding birth center that was just down the street from my house. And I, I really liked going there for the appointments. It felt personal and it was a little, it looked like a little house and I was excited and things were moving along. So um, my due date, it came and went on a Thursday and The following Monday night, so technically Tuesday morning, um, I woke up around 2 o'clock with some contractions, and they started to come regularly, but nothing too crazy, and I went into the kitchen, I ended up staying up all night, I was eating peaches, I remember, and water started leaking out, and so I just kind of hung out, I didn't wake up my husband, maybe I let him know kind of what was going on, but it wasn't anything too crazy yet, so I just kind of waited, and I called my midwife around 7 in the morning, and she sent over um, one of her student midwives to test my fluid just to make sure it was fluid, and it was my water. So she just told me, you know, labor at home. She told me, use the pump to get things moving. I was just contracting all day and kept losing fluid throughout the day. She had me doing, like, black and blue cohosh, and I was taking, Mm -hmm. like, crazy amounts of evening primrose oil at her advice for weeks I mean it was it was crazy looking back now how much she had me taking and all this stuff I felt like I wasn't 100% sure about but I just felt like I was with a midwife so it had to be natural so it had to be okay Mm. and I just you know I really trusted her just kind of what she was telling me to do and I wish I had looked more into these things but around around six o'clock that night she had me drink castor oil And I was super hesitant to do it. But again, it was one of those things where I was like, I just, yeah, I did. I really did. And I felt like, you know, I wasn't in the hospital. You know, I was, I was with somebody who was natural minded, you know, I was, and I just, I took it and I was scared to take it, but I did it. And around nine o'clock that night, Tuesday night, she came over to my house because I lived right like half a mile probably from the, the birthing center. She gave me some IV antibiotics and she had me drink more castor oil, and she left, and she also broke my water with an amnio hook. Oh, my I um, was so like, finished it. Goodness.
1: Yeah. Yes, yeah. which I found out wow. later is not,
3: like, remotely cool. Not no. Cool. No. So, at this point, after the, the finish, you know, like, breaking the rest of my water and the more ounces of castor oil, like, this, it went crazy. I was, vomiting diarrhea yeah. at the same time for hours and hours I was having back labor like you don't I mean I, I, Megan I listened to your story so I know you you had some yes I called it, it a
1: butt labor because it, yeah, like, it, it, it like was, radiated it, down it, to it, my butt yeah it, yeah
3: it's crazy and it was like especially it being my first baby I didn't know if that was normal kind of where I was feeling it yeah but I was I was hallucinating. I mean it was it was really oh, bad. It was just oh through the gosh. whole, you know, through the whole night. Yeah, And then Wednesday morning was just kind of more of the same, but it kept kind of stopping and starting, you know, a little bit. Like I would get a break, but when I was on, it was just nuts, and then the vomiting and the diarrhea just made it so much worse, all of it. I think I was like maybe two and a half centimeters at this point. Wednesday morning, the back labor was still crazy. She told me that she would give me, like, the day to labor more and see what happened. And then at 3 o'clock, we went to the birth center to get checked. There was just no progression, and she said we had to transfer. So
1: oh, I, went home oh my and, yeah,
3: <laughs> I went home and packed a bag because I didn't have a bag. I mean, I had a bag to go to the birth center, but nothing like a hospital bag. You know, we were supposed to come home. In four hours was what was in my plan, you know what I mean, what what she had told me to expect after I had the baby, if everything, you know, was fine, which I had assumed it would be. So we ran home and and checked a bag, and we got to the hospital about 530, which is also maybe half a mile in the other direction from my house, so it was really close. And in the um, triage, we had to sign a form about photos at the hospital. They don't allow any type of photos or video during the birth. And I was just devastated. That was like, that, I remember that being a real turning point for me from just realizing this is going to be nothing. Like I thought we had bought a new video camera, a new still camera. I had these visions of like, you know, movie black and white set to music and, you know, pictures. And I just, I was devastated that, mm. that we, it, we couldn't get anything. You know, we, yeah. I knew that that, that wasn't going to happen. So I got into my room about, I think about 6 or 6.30. It was pretty quick. They immediately hooked me up to Pitocin, and I was just having horrible contractions mm-hmm. from that, and then the back labor too at the same time. And I remember like they had I had I was on like internal monitors, and I remember the nurses at some point being like, you know, your contractions are so strong, I can't believe nothing's happening. And I'm like, yeah, you know me neither. And it was just it was just it was really hard, and it was long, and I was tired already, and it was just because this was this was Wednesday evening at this point. So around 1230 in the morning, that would be Thursday morning, I, they convinced me to get an epidural. They were like, you just have to rest at some point. I'd been up since Monday, and I, I had it by around 1:30, and I fell asleep, I remember. I think they said before I fell asleep, I was like a four, maybe. That's remember what, what they told me. They woke me up at about 5 a.m. to check me. They said I was five. Maybe five and a half, they said, and I. They said her head was starting to swell, and it was just we had to go in for the cesarean, and I just, I lost it, and I, it was just awful, and it was like, one other thing that really bugged me was when I felt like when I told my story and I told people I only got to a five, that it sounded like I wasn't in labor, and they really had no idea like what I had been through for three days, you know? I mean, the yeah. back labor was just, you know, it wasn't that I was, it was you know i was laboring for sure i just wasn't dilating you know between the pitocin mm-hmm. and the back labor and
1: well your um, body so, was kind of hit like a freight train
3: yeah it was just you know there was there was just so many things that were done i felt like to me and that didn't help matters you know the the dehydration from the throwing oh. up and the and the diarrhea and her breaking my water and mm. you know it was just it was this one bad thing after the other but we went to the OR I just remember it was freezing and I was just shaking uncontrollably and crying they had tied my arms down and I just remember like this doctor who I'd only met a couple hours earlier and they were talking about football and golf and you know like no one talked to me the whole time and I remember and this is something that still bugs me but my husband asked to stand up early because he was just like super into it and interested and wanted to see what was going on. I just remember I couldn't like vocal i didn't it didn't i didn't realize it until later, but I really needed him by me you know but i couldn't yeah. i was so out of it at that point that I couldn't even formulate that thought kind of thing it was just very you know I was just like I was in and out of it, and I remember the anesthesiologist kept saying. I think they always said a couple times, but it seemed like they kept saying to me, like, make sure you can feel your face, your breasts, and your fingers. And I kept, like, thinking about that. I just remember being, like, obsessed with that. And at some point they asked me, they go, you know, because I was shaking so bad. And they're like, do you want to relax? And I said, yeah. And I found out later that that was this cocktail that they put in your IV. And it includes anti-anxiety drugs, which made mm-hmm. me black out for pretty much the whole mm-hmm. first day she was born. But they didn't explain that. I would, I, I know how I react to anti-anxiety drugs, and I would have said absolutely not. But that was just something that I found out later, that that's why I couldn't remember a lot. So um, she was born at 6.33 on Thursday morning, and we, we waited to find out what we were having. So I do remember um, my husband was like, you know, do you want to know what we had? And I was like, you know, yeah. And he said, oh, looks like we're paying for a wedding. It's a girl. So, I, she, but she was, she was 812, but she lost almost a pound and a half immediately. And I think that was because she was only 812 because I had like four bags of fluid. fluids. Yep. Um, so she, you know, I would love to know how much she really would have weighed, but she had a huge cone head. Like it was crazy. You know, she was obviously stuck in there. And, um, they just, they took her and I remember they told me before she came out that I would be able to see her and what they were doing to her and stuff. But for whatever reason, she was too far in one direction and I couldn't see anything and just her and John were gone and I was there by myself again. And they came over for that picture that everyone gets and I just remember like hating it and just Mm -hmm. feeling, you know, and I just wasn't, it was just bad and they took, the baby to the nursery for an IV because she had something about her white blood cell count or something. I can't remember, but she had to get an IV. So John and her went and I was alone again while they sewed me up. And then I was alone in, w- in recovery for a while. And um, somehow my sister got back there at some point, And I remember that. And then they finally brought her to me. And we, I tried to nurse her in recovery, but I was so out of it. And my breasts were so swollen from the fluids. I mean, it was just, it was impossible. Like, there was just no way to get her to latch. So I really just don't, I just remember bits and tiny pieces of the first day. I remember at one point in, I think it was like early evening, they asked me if I wanted something for pain. And I said, yeah. And they gave me Toradol in my IV. And I just immediately felt like I was drunk and I was holding the baby and the nurse kind of snapped at me because I was like slipping with her. And oh, I just, wow. it was awful. And I just, you know, after that, I didn't take any, I only took Motrin after that. Cause I was so, I just didn't want to miss anything else, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: So um, nursing was really, really hard. She just wouldn't latch. I think it was, we just had a lot of things like working against us. And mm-hmm. I started pumping like immediately in the hospital. So, we finally went home Sunday, so that was quite you know, like I said, it was supposed to be four hours and I ended up being gone for four days. So that was quite oh. just way different <laughs> than what I thought. But um, the I had my placenta encapsulated and the girl who did it told me about ICANN like immediately. So two week my two week postpartum checkup to the OB that I was just randomly like assigned to. I went for my checkup, and this is supposed to be a VBAC-friendly practice. And I remember the nurse, my mom went with me, and the very first the nurse I talked to when I went for my appointment, she goes, so you had a cesarean, you know you're going to have another one, right? <gasps> and I was like, what? Yeah. And I was just like, and I didn't go back. I didn't go back for my six-week checkup. I just you. blew it off. And I just, you know, it was like I'm not. I, I, it was so weird because I had never really thought about having a cesarean, but somehow I knew about VBACs. And I knew I was going to go for one, like, from the first minute, you know, the next mm-hmm. time. So I just, you know, it was hard. We we had um, paid up front. Our, our our insurance portion was 50%, no matter what the birth cost. Well, at the birthing center, it was $4,400. So we had paid $2,200 before I had the baby, and I thought we were done. And then when we transferred to the hospital, I remember being really stressed out about that. And it ended up being 18000 out of pocket because it was Whoa. 50% no matter what. Yeah. So that was very, it was, it just added like another layer to it of stress and, you know, just total just bummed out in this. And again, like this is not what was supposed to happen. So I just, I started going to ICANN meetings four weeks to the day after she was born. And I never missed a meeting in between that and then my next birth. And it was just so helpful to me. And I just, it was so nice to talk to women who got it and who are, mm-hmm. you know, equally as traumatized as me and bummed, and I just felt like, you know, I learned really quickly who to talk to it about or to to bring mm-hmm. up my feelings because, you know, the whole oh the baby's here you're fine or you, that's oh, why you yeah. know one thing that really bugged me was that's why I didn't have a plan that that cuts me when people say that you know that. Mm-hmm because I had expected it to be a certain way and I didn't get it. Well, that was my own fault for, for hoping for something, you know, it just, Mm. it really bummed me out when people would say that, but I just, I started reading everything I could and I started going to therapy just to talk about the experience. And that was, that was very, very helpful. And I got pregnant around um, 14 months when Apollonia, that's my older daughter when she was 14 months and The laws in Florida for VBAC, you can't have a primary VBAC outside of the hospital without an OB sign-off. So there's no OBs in town willing to do that, and there is no midwives in town willing to take an out-of-town sign-off. So I basically just felt like I had no options, and I was really bitter about that for a while because I had such a bad experience that I thought for sure there was no way I could go to the hospital and labor and be successful. I just was really... You know, it was hard for a while. I had to kind of get over that
2: mm-hmm. and
3: just look at it differently. But I found an OB, and he was just wonderful. The first appointment I had with him, I was about six weeks pregnant, I think, and I never even took off my clothes. We talked for almost an hour, and I oh, just that felt, is so felt good, really comfortable. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was just like, you know, we had conversations. Just I've never found a doctor that spoke to me like a regular person before, didn't rush me, and it was just so nice. And I immediately... Felt really comfortable about that. So I had HG again. So that was tough, but I kind of already knew. I was kind of already expecting it. I didn't think mm-hmm. I would get away with not having it.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: but um, it was the therapist I found. She didn't specialize in birth trauma by any means. She actually said I was her first client she ever had with it but she was very into natural birth like when she was having her daughter she was like into a mod before it was like a thing you know so she really kind of understood where i was coming from as far as what i had been hoping for for the experience so it was just so nice and i just always suggest therapy to anyone i paid cash for it i mean i know it's not easy but i just feel like it's so worth it and yeah we just really focused on like because my main my main thing with it was really trying to figure out how I was going to deal if I had another cesarean because I was just so so emotionally invested in having the experience of a vaginal birth. It was just incredibly important to me. But yeah. she told me, she said, uh, I remember one appointment, she told me I was a VBAC encyclopedia because I was always like, <laughs> out, you know, facts and percentages and and things. But about two months before... I was due. I got my my records from the hospital, Uh and it was crazy because there was a few things in there that that kind of stood out to me. There was nothing in the transfer notes from the midwife about either the castor oil or the breaking my water, so I felt like
0: you know trying to cover her butt.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And then it said it was weird because it said I was seven centimeters when they took me to have the cesarean, but I know they didn't say that. I don't know if it would have made a difference because they you know, once they told me her head was swollen and I mean, it had been 54 hours at that point. I mean, I was, I was, I was done. I was spent. Mm-hmm. And, but it just, it, it just felt like I just couldn't get a straight answer at anyone. But the most important thing about getting my records was in the operative report, she, it said she was OP. And I am still, you know, almost seven years later, just so fired up to this day that not my midwife not any of the nurses, not the resident, not the OB, not one person ever suggested to me, even though I had all these classic yep. symptoms, the back labor, the stopping and starting, you know, everything, they never suggested position to me. And not only did they not suggest it, but like I said, things are done that, that made it worse, you know, yeah. putting me on the Pitocin, breaking my water, the dehydration, you know, I just, it's so frustrating to me that... If you had a knee surgery and it went wrong, they would tell you afterwards what happened. You know uh, what I mean? There was yeah. never that even, that thought to say, holy cow, you just did this for two and a half days. Let me try to tell you what probably happened. Like, how could they not say that, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And I even found out from some people that sometimes it's not even in the report, that I was lucky that they put it in the operative report. You know what I mean? It's just like, how can that be? And it's still, it drives me crazy, but. I mean, in the way that I was frustrated, but it also, I just, I felt better that she was in a bad position and hopefully it wouldn't happen the next time. So Mm -hmm. that, that helped me a little bit. So my due date was on a Saturday. It was actually my brother-in-law's 30th birthday. My sister was throwing him a surprise party at my mom's house. So my mom was going to have my older daughter and my sister was going to be in the room with us. So I was kind of hoping nothing was going to happen that day, but I went to the mall that day to buy a present, and I went to the bathroom, and I was looking at something, and I felt something on my leg, and like this big old mucus glob had fallen out <laughs> of something that was just on the inside of my thigh <laughs> in the middle of the mall, and I was just like, I put it on a receipt to show my husband. I was like, look. <laughs> so I was like, maybe something is happening. Um, but we <laughs> we went to the party, and there was this couple there, and they had known they they ask me, they go, I love, like, telling people at the party, like, they're like, when, is, when are you due? And I'm like, today. I just thought that was so fun, but there was this couple, and they knew that I had tried at this birthing center the previous time, and they go, are you are you going for a natural birth again? And I said, yes, but I didn't kind of explain the whole situation. And they go, oh, good. They go, our our daughter is a nurse at the hospital, and she said she would never have a baby there. And <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Wow. You know? But- I just, I didn't want to go into it. You know what I mean? I just didn't feel like it. And I'm just like, oh, that's cool. And you know, I didn't correct them or anything about that. I was going to be at the hospital anyways. But I went home, like I helped a lot with the food, was walking around on my feet quite a bit and went home probably around 11 o'clock. And at 2.30 that morning, I, I woke up and I was just instantly contracting. I mean, I could tell that something was happening and they were consistent and fairly, you know, strong. I mean, it was, it, it started fast. And at 4.30, I texted my sister and was like, are you guys home? And she goes, yeah, we're in bed. And I found out later they were totally playing cards against humanity and drinking still. She lied because <laughs> she didn't want to stress me out. But um, so she immediately went home and took a shower because I told her, I was like, I think, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm, know this is it. You know, so she went home and took a shower. And I said, I'll tell you when to meet us at the hospital. So around seven. They were about four minutes apart. They were lasting anywhere from a minute to a minute and a half. And we wanted to kind of get going before our oldest woke up just to kind of avoid any confusion or tears. She was only, like I said, 22 months at the time. Mm. So my mom came over and we got in the car and we only had about a three minute drive. I remember I threw up a few times in a Starbucks cup on the way there. (laughs) Um, But we got there, we got into triage, and I was 4.5, so I was super excited about that. I had to fill out one of those VBAC forms, you know, where you initial all the things. I knew that was coming. I knew that, you Mm -hmm. know, they had it at the hospital. I was rolling my eyes through the whole thing, but I did it. Mm -hmm. And we got up to the room, and my nurse was super into it, into the VBAC, and I was excited about that. And I remember her her getting the, like the warmer ready, like putting some stuff over there. And she goes, we're, you know, we're not even going to need this. And I was like, that's right. I'm going to be the warmer this time. And I was just, you know, I was, I was, I was was excited about that. So my sister got there and they had wireless monitors there. So I was able to get in the bathtub and walk around. I just really tried to do that. And I, at one point in the morning, I think it was around maybe 11, I sent my sister downstairs for a smoothie and English muffin with peanut butter For me, and I just wanted to have some bites. And the nurse walked in and she was like, You can't have that. And I was like, Oh, I'm having it. You know, it's just so (laughs) silly, you know? Just like, I, you know, this is crazy. I'm going to, she's like, Okay, just a little bit. So, and then she goes, You guys look really familiar. I thought maybe she knew us from our restaurants. Like I said, we own a restaurant. And she's like, No, I think I know you to my sister. And it turns out she was the nurse. Like, she, was the one. I was like, oh, I saw your parents last night. They told me you'd never have a baby here. And she was like, super embarrassed, didn't know what to say. kind of. (laughs) Um, But she was really sweet. And, you know, but I knew she didn't really feel that way. It was just, you know what I mean? Like, it was fine. She, Mm -hmm. you know, she was very, very supportive. And I felt lucky to have her. I was just kind of messing with her. But about 1145, things seemed to slow down for just a minute. And I just got super upset and just, felt like it was like before and things were just going to stop and she's like no 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 it's fine you know you're moving along everything's good and I think the crying just kind of like got some hormones moving and things just started happening a little faster and my doctor came to check me around twelve forty-five, and that the check hurt worse than anything his hands are big he's not rough by any means but his hands are big and it was just you know everything was getting very intensified and I remember I yelled like really loud. He was like, you're, you're not getting epidural. I was like, no, you know, and the nurse was like, no, she's been making very, (laughs) you know, very manageable noises until this point, you know, but he said, um, you know, do you want me to break your water? And I was really unsure about it just because of how things had went the previous time. And I hesitated and he's like, I really think things will, you know, things will move, you know, will move if we do. And I said, okay, I, I just trusted him and I felt okay about it. So, he did and it was fine and then every time I moved like you know fluid would come out and things I could just tell that things were moving really quick after that in about 2 30 I started just making these crazy noises I couldn't help myself and felt the urge to push I really felt like the adrenaline was kicking in like I knew that I, I didn't feel out of control but kind of like I just mm-hmm. knew it was happening like no matter what you know and they can't he came in and checked me said I was nine and a half and had like a little bit of a lip they had me lay on one side to try to to get rid of that and I was I was ready to push like things were just I had to I didn't have a choice so they brought in respiratory because um I passed some meconium they just wanted to make sure so I remember there was a few people extra people in there I pushed for about half an hour and my doctor was like I you know I think we brought them in too soon let's just send them out we'll bring them back in and I freaked out cuz i was like oh my god that means it's going to be hours you know and he's like oh i made you mad he's like use that use that yeah and then i started to like push harder and he asked me when's the last time i went pee and the nurse said it i was doing good all day about it but it had been a couple hours and he asked if, if he could cast me and i just freaked out and i just i'd had cast before and i just pictured it i thought it was going to be in there while i was pushing you know i was like there's no way you know i can't do that and he's like no 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 it's just for a second
0: yeah just to it
3: yeah, and I just, I was so like, it was just, that was it, and I did feel a little bit better after that, so I was glad that I did it, so I pushed some more, I know I felt kind of, I don't know, it was hard, I didn't feel like I was giving it my all, like, I felt like I couldn't, I don't know, I just, I don't, I was I'm I was only in labor for 13 hours total, but I was just, I was tired, and I I remember thinking to myself, like, I'm not, I'm not doing everything I can, and my doctor said, you know, she's coming down and back up again, or he didn't say she because we didn't know we were having, the baby's coming down, you know, going back up. We really, it's time to, to get the baby out. You know, can we use the vacuum? And I was nervous about it, but I just was like, yes, just just do it. I just wanted the baby out at that point. And I didn't feel like the baby crown. I didn't feel like a ring of fire or anything. The baby's head came out and then it just like, it went crazy and The nurse and the doctor were yelling, shoulders, shoulders, we need help. And everyone was pushing on me. And I remember just thinking they were going to give me a cesarean right in the room or an episiotomy. And I just kind of, I was scared. I was just for a a few Mm -hmm. seconds. I mean, it didn't last a long, long time, but it was long enough that I was having thoughts. And I remember at one point, I felt like I like left my body for a minute because I I didn't know what was going to come next. But I felt a big release and The baby, I thought it was the whole baby, but it was just the baby's shoulders. And then the rest of the baby came out. And the doctor put the baby on me, on my belly for just a second and said it was a girl. And then they took her away. And my husband and sister left. And I was alone again. And I was just like, what is going on, you know? I just, you know... One of the most important things to me that I felt like I missed out on the first one was I wanted that baby on my chest right away. That was like the moment that I was just so desperate for when, you know, you, the baby comes out and they just give the baby to you. And that's, you know, and you feel the euphoria and the joy and the confidence and triumphant. And I just, I got robbed of it a second time, you know, and I just, I could hear her screaming and it just didn't sound like right, you know, and they started sewing me up, and I could hear them saying, like, severe tear, fractured clavicle, reconstruct anal sphincter. so the sewing was, like, the worst part. It was way worse than any part of the labor or the delivery even, and I was losing a lot of blood, so they kept having to pack me, and I remember kept asking for more lidocaine. I could feel the needle every time it went in and out, and that was, it was hard, and another part that was hard was, like, I... You know, when you're having the baby, that's, like, the point of it. But to be exposed like that after the baby's out and you're just kind of, like, laying there, it felt harder for me. And there was a lot of people in the room. But they had Vivi, Vivian, over on, like, the warmer. And there was a timer, I remember, on top. And it was at 55 minutes. They were still sewing. And they brought her to me, but I was still really shaking really bad. And I was also on Pitocin to try to get my uterus to Mm -hmm. contract. So I couldn't hold her. And it's still... You know, and finally, about one and a half hours after she was born, I was able to hold her. But I, the pain really started to settle in then, and she was still screaming because she had two broken collarbones. So, oh my gosh. Um, so we they w- finally weighed her, and she was nine pounds three ounces, and that was with no fluid. So I knew that was like her true weight. You know, I'm <laughs> like my first daughter, but we. You know, we, we had a hard time nursing just because she couldn't get in a comfortable position because of, the you know, the collarbones. But we only had to stay for 24 hours, and that was, like, a big important thing to me was I really wanted to, he was actually going to let me leave right away until I had the bad tear. And then they um, – you know, he's like, you lost a lot of blood. Let's just stay for one night. So I did. But I I was still so – so grateful that i had had the v-back and just elated over that even though there were parts that were hard
0: yeah. i was just really yeah. really happy that
3: i didn't have another cesarean and at my six-week checkup i asked him about the vacuum because i really wanted to just know why because i know that that can lead to the baby getting stuck and i just was like why did we do this and he said that you know my pushing had become ineffective and it was just time to get her out and that he wasn't being mean or accusatory he's like you were amazing and but it did make me feel bad just because I felt like if I had tried harder, I could have gotten her out myself, you know, and mm. I, I did. She wouldn't have had the injury. And, you know, it was weird. I was like, you know, sh- shoulder dystocia is so uncommon, and fourth degree tears are so uncommon, and, you know, out of hospital births turned cesareans are very uncommon. It was just like oh, yeah. was a birth bottle, you know. It's I got a whole gamut kind of <laughs> <the> thing. <laughs> yeah. But I still, you know, I was super grateful for the VBAC and just, you know, the, the parts though that were hard for me was a couple things that because I, I didn't want the cesarean for a couple reasons. Like I really wanted her on my chest. I really wanted to be able to, to pick up my older daughter when we got home and because of the tear, I couldn't for a few weeks. And mm-hmm. it was just a different kind of recovery, you know, it was just, but emotionally, like I was in such a better place that I could get through the other stuff, you know, yeah. so that, that was really helpful. And I just, you know, after that, I just, I you know kept going to ICANN, and now I'm a chapter leader and I actually um, edit the blog for the national page and Yay. I that's just really cool. that's
2: amazing. Yeah, I love it. Thank you. I didn't
1: you. know that.
3: And I just yeah, it's really it's it's fun. It's it's really cool and I just I really try hard to you know ask people you know how are you feeling about it you know this, mm-hmm. and I've 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 you know become close to people that I wasn't close to before just for kind of reaching out and asking you know how are you doing? And I had a girl that I was in a Facebook group with, just not birth really related, but I'd kind of shared my story. And she sent me a Facebook message at one point was like, i my book club, this girl had a very unexpected cesarean. And everyone in the room was kind of like, Oh, it's okay. Don't worry. And she's like, because of you, I knew to kind of say, you know, tell us more, reach out to her later. And that made me feel really good that you know, just helping, just helping someone out. And I just, I don't know. I, I, I've made so many friends from ICANN and just, you know, Mm -hmm. feel really good about helping, you know, gotten to know people from online support or whatever. Just, I don't know. It's, 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 it's still really hard. It's gotten easier. It's almost seven years now, but I just, I don't know. I feel like it's set me on a path kind of thing. So it's just, it's, it's good too. And I just, I'm trying every day just to to work with it and help others. And
0: that's kind of it for me, I think. <laughs> no, that's really awesome. That's yeah. really good. Well, thank you. Well, thank you, you so much. You,
1: you sharing your story right here with us and yeah. with all of these women, you know, yeah. you're going to continue to inspire and, and empower them. So I love what you're doing. Yeah. yeah and, but, you know, V-backs
0: well, I, don't always go perfectly. It's not always sunshine yeah. and butterflies. And right. it's not always... Um, I kind of compare it kind of like your wedding day sometimes, like, mm-hmm. you know, you you have this perfect plan for your wedding and there's right. always going to be something that Some doesn't go exactly how you want it. And sometimes exactly. it's just little tiny details. Like for my wedding, the stinking white pens were not in my guest book. And so I have brown pages <laughs> with black marker <laughs> writing on them. But yeah. I mean, like, that's just like a tiny little thing, right? right? But sometimes right. it's big things. Sometimes your flowers don't show up or the caterer is two hours behind or yeah. whatever. And... It's the same way with birth. You can plan and prepare as much as you can, but sometimes, you know, things aren't always, you know, beautiful and perfect and, and right. yeah. It's so, it's hard though. The
3: one thing that I try really hard is I have a really good friend that I met in I can, and she wasn't able to have a VBAC and she tried so, so hard. And I just feel guilty sometimes for not being super elated. You know what I mean? For even like having some still negative feelings about it. And I just, I I just try to keep it in perspective, but I also know that, you know, we're just all doing the best we can and just try to keep moving on and helping people. That's all we can do. So that's kind of just been my focus as much as it can be.
1: I love it. I love it. And we are really grateful for you. And your story. Well,
3: thank you. I'm so grateful for you guys. This is the best idea ever. And oh, I, I love listening to the stories, and it's awesome. You guys are doing a great job. So thank you. Thank,
1: thank you. you. And we want to remind everybody listening that in addition to all of these amazing stories, We have a blog as well, and you can find so much more information on our blog. It's just the vbacklink.com slash blog, and go and visit, visit all of them. We've got so many. We've got things about uterine rupture, and we've got baby's position, and Classes and back after multiple, V-back after C-sections multiple C-sections and special sections, scars special and inductions. Yeah. Feedback bands and ah oh, everything. I mean you name it. We <laughs> have so many, many blogs for you. So head over there and check us out. Let us know what favorite blog is yours.
2: Interested in sharing your v back? Head over to the com slash share to submit your story. For information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to thevbaclink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC Link.